Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. Today I'm here with one of my best mates, Sam Ashby, who has been on the Australian swim team. And uh, he's now coaching uh, an age group squad here in Melbourne. And the reason I want to get Sam on the podcast today was to talk a bit about ex- um, a bit of a bit about his experience as uh, as a, a butterflyer, being on the Australian team, but also making that transition from swimmer to coach. So, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Sam, just uh, give those listening a bit of a background on on what you've achieved in swimming, and I guess where it all started for you. Sure. Um, so I started. Well, I started swimming. Uh, mum had mum had me in swimming lessons uh, four or five, um, as as most kids do when you learn to swim. And then at seven or eight, I obviously had way too much energy, so she decided that I needed to burn some off. So she got me into sort of squad training. Uh, that was back in New Zealand when I was. Just turned 12, we moved to Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. So we spent a year there and then we moved down to Tarelgan. And that's where obviously you and I met and then I swam under your father. Um, so I had some, had quite, a, quite good success as an age group swimmer um, all the way through from when I was 13 all the way through to when I was 18. I was uh, fortunate enough to win age group national medals. Um, and I was also fortunate enough to make the um, Australian junior team twice for the junior Pan Packs, uh, both in 2005 and then again in 2007. Uh, then I sort of I was on a few tours with Australia, uh, like the West Coast tour, where we go over to the states and swim a few competitions in California. Um, but I kind of had a lull for a few years where. I was sort of in limbo, um, just with with my swimming, but also I think just as a person, I was kind of just Groundhog Day kind of thing. Um, and then I decided, or got to a point where I had to make a decision, I decided to move to the Gold Coast to train under Glenn Baker, where we had a meeting and then the outcome of that meeting was I was going to focus all my attentions on swimming butterfly rather than individual medley, which had been my forte in the past. Uh, so I moved up there in the middle of 2010. Uh, and then in 2011, I, after being with Glenn for maybe nine months, I made the world championship team um, for the hunter butterfly. So that was uh, Jeff Hugel and myself. Um, I was fortunate enough to make a semi-final there and I went to 52.1. And yeah, that, was, that, was a, was, that was just a really good experience all around. Um, unfortunately, the following year, I didn't have a good competition at the trials. I think I came fifth. Um, and yeah, missed out. So from there, I just, I'd already sort of made the ultimatum um, that I was either going to make the Olympic team and continue swimming or I was going to uh, finish up and explore life outside of swimming. And so that's what I ended up doing. And was that, uh, was that always a, 
plan to take up coaching after you finished me or was that something that, that was a, a bit of an afterthought after you'd had some some time out of it um i i love the sport and so and i i, I know a lot of swimmers you come out of the sport a bit disengaged or disheartened but that's quite the opposite for me i, I i've always had a love for the sport and what it's the opportunities it's given me and how it's kind of shaped me as a person um and so i never had any intentions of never never being around the pool deck again i don't know in the back of my head i always thought it'd be you know nice to give back to the sport or nice to still stay in touch um whether that be you know coaching full time or just sort of helping out and then an opportunity came up um with another good friend of ours nick valiardi's to coach the state squad at um, at the club I'm at now, MLC Aquatic, and and I kind of just progressed from there, um, and then to the point where I uh, I know I, I love doing it, so I can't see any reason why I'd stop. It's um, I mean I know when I started coaching, it was I kind of fell into it a little bit. I never planned to get into coaching. Uh, a job came up at when I was at university. A job came up at Melbourne University to coach twice a week there, and um, yeah, and I thought, well, that's one thing I know how to do is, is swim, and I sort of knew a little bit about coaching, so um, so I took it up and realised I, I really enjoyed it compared to a lot of the other stuff that, um, or I guess the other jobs that I had, and you know, it's a, just it's great being able to, to teach others, share your knowledge, and um, have that interaction with with people who are looking to improve themselves and um i mean it sounds like you sort of uh, i guess uh, maybe not fell into it but uh it came about just by you know an opportunity came up and you thought you'd try it out but now it's something that you you really enjoy yeah for sure yeah i i always sort of had dreams that i might become a carpenter because i kind of like doing physical stuff i think that just comes with the territory of being a swimmer you always used to just you know grinding it out doing um, yeah, just that sort of physical labour. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, definitely hadn't come out of swimming going, all right, I'm definitely going to coach. This is what I'm going to do. Um, it, yeah, it, it kind of just happened organically. And it's, and your personality, I think uh, personalities suit different, different tasks. Um, and right now, like, my personality definitely definitely gels with um coaching athletes and and helping them achieve what they want to achieve and i think your um your coaching style is probably uh different to your your old school swim coach where it's it's sort of more in your face it's just yelling at them to do to do more and more whereas um i think and i sort of see it in in afl so like aussie rules football um, a lot of the top coaches these days are, are less about just barking orders. It's more about engaging with each each athlete individually, um, taking a different approach with with each athlete, and being more on their level than having the sort of authoritarian role of, of a coach. And I think that's a that's where it seems to be changing a lot these days. Is the the long I guess the longer relationships and that. The better relationships between coach and athlete are now ones that where where they're almost on the same level, and the coach is sort of helping the athlete learn more about themselves by asking better questions and 
um, having the athlete find out themselves instead of just telling them how it is. Yeah, yeah. There's, it, as, because you end up inevitably on pool deck having, having conversations with other coaches, because, you know, there's just, there ends up being time when you know there's you're at a competition and there's no athletes swimming or and one of the conversations I had um, with an exceptional young coach who like I just have just yeah just some great chats with and just pick his brain is Pat Fisher um, and he, I, I'm yet to read the book that he's been talking about but what he was saying is that you be hard on your expectations and hard on your standards and you be soft with the people. So from, and that's sort of from a management material sort of point of view where like the standards that you have for your company, let's say they're at a high level. Um, but you don't treat your people or treat the people that you work with like with that sort of authoritarian hard edge. You, you interact with them. You just essentially just being a person, being a personable, just being a personable person. <laughs> um, and so, and because you know, I work. I don't. Unlike you, with working with the masters, I work with um, like younger athletes, kids. But and I think it's good because sometimes I'm a big kid. <laughs> Um, but there's, yeah, you, you find that happy medium between connecting with the athletes, which is quite easy because it's just, you just naturally do it when you spend that much time with them and you actually enjoy doing it. Um, but the, but you, you don't let your standards slip and that's, that's the hard, that's the hard line where if you see something, you pull, you, you pull them up or you'll say, no, that's not good enough. Um, and, but then, you know, not to the point where you're just screaming and yelling at them and they don't listen to you and you, you know, they kind of lose that respect for you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun finding that balance and I'm, you're still, I've, I'm still working on it always. I think most coaches always will keep working on it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the, the great thing about, I mean, I guess whatever job you're doing, if you've got that opportunity to to grow and, and learn more that's the fun thing about it is just seeing I guess seeing what you're good at seeing what you're maybe not so good at but you'd like to improve and and, and being able to develop in each of those areas and um, it's, it's a long process I mean you, know, you, just, you don't want to stop learning so I've been coaching for the last uh, 10 years now and I mean it took me at least sort of three or four years to get my head or just just around coaching and and the, and I guess the best way to do it, but even then, is I'm just always changing and and trying to find a better way to get more out of people. Because you know, at first when I when I started, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. I didn't want to um, call them out on anything. And so I was I was no way near just like I guess keeping people to the those high expectations that you're talking about. Um, but but now you know it's I see it's, it's okay to actually call people out on that sort of stuff because your job as the coach is to help them get the most out of themselves and sometimes that's what what needs to happen so it's um yeah it is it's it's just an ongoing learning process and it's the same whether you're an athlete as well you um 
you know, you're, you're learning about how far you can push your body. You're learning how you race and developing your, your mental strength. And it's, um, it's, it's that long journey that I think if you can really dial into it, that's what keeps someone in the sport for a long time is, you know, watching you, uh, you know, stay in the sport until you were sort of, was it early 20s? Yeah, uh, yeah so, 20s, 23. So, so 23, 24. You know, I think it seemed like the, the reason you stayed in the sport until that age, whereas most people give up in their teenage years, is because you knew you could get more out of yourself, but you were continually looking to evolve as, and develop as a person. Yeah. If I had the opportunity, I'd still be swimming now. <laughs> um, if like yeah, if, if if you didn't have to, if you know, just general life was you're able to focus and not have to worry about money or you know developing as a developing your life outside of elite sport. Um, I I I do a lot to get back there because it's a it's a great lifestyle and and that pursuit of of just refining something over and over and over and over again it's um it's a really nice thing to do um and like not many people get to have that opportunity um but i think coming back to being like hard on your or hard on the expectations with your athletes and how you go about doing that i think that is in the one of the essence and one of the most important things with the coaching is to get the most out of your athlete without making them feel incompetent or belittling them. Um, and but I, at the same time, I think as athletes, if you're really wanting to improve yourself, you like you want to hear it. You want to hear that that's not good enough. Like. Even if you think, I remember, I remember, I will always remember this one time when Rowan Taylor, um, my coach when I was in Melbourne at Kerry Aquatic and then at Nunawading, there were there were a bunch of other young boys all my age and we were doing, we were training for 400 IM and I was on a Thursday morning and the Thursday morning was our hard set and we ended up having to repeat the 400 IM max twice. So we ended up having to do three 400 IM max efforts. Um... And whether or, you know, whether or not we thought it was good enough was beside the point. The point was that Rowan didn't think it was good enough, but we also knew that he all, that he completely cared about us as like us as people, but like getting the most out of us. And so, as, as annoyed, you know, as you know, excuse my language, as pissed off as you can, you're going to get when you have to repeat a 400 IM max twice, you like we you kind of respect that, and and you end up just being a better athlete for that. Like and so if you if your coach if you if your coach is hard on you but you understand why they're being hard on you and at the end of the day after this training session they give you a pat on the back and say good job I think I think yeah I think that's the that's like really good coaching right there yeah and I I know when I, when I was growing up and swimming and and even in school I wanted to live up to the expectations of my teachers and, and my coaches because I, I wanted to I wanted to impress them. Yeah. And I wanted to show them how hard I could push or how hard stuff I could be. And and even like just your peer group. I mean, when I was I think I was grade two or three in school, I was they used to, they called me Speedy Gonzalez when it came to maths. Like I used to just try and do it as fast as I could. And I got and I got that nickname for you know, for like a few weeks there. And 
and just I didn't want to not live up to that. So every time we had mass, I wanted to be as good as I could and yeah. and just complete things quickly. So is that is that why you? Um, is that why you did eight two hundreds of butterfly on that Saturday morning session because you wanted to impress your dad? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. No, it was nine two hundreds. I'll correct you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was uh, the last session before September holidays, so we had two weeks off. Yeah. And it was nine two hundreds of butterfly, and and I loved it. I absolutely loved that set because after the first two, you kind of get into the rhythm, and mm. it's a lot easier than what it sounds on paper. Yeah. Once once you get into it, and you know, you know by the end of it, you're just gonna you're gonna feel so good that you did it, and and then you can really enjoy your break knowing that you've you've done something that hard beforehand. So it's um yeah, I just love, I think setting challenges and making people stretch that, just get out of their comfort zone a bit to be able to hit those goals that you set for them is um is a good skill to have as a coach. And, and what about uh, when you're coaching your you know, your age group athletes? What sort of things do you have them think about um, when they're when they're training? Um, it'll, it'll depend, the, like maybe the theme of the session or where we are in the part of the season. Uh, so sometimes, if they look, if they're let's say later in the week, maybe if we're training on a Friday morning, and they're looking. You know, the athletes might look pretty tired or just a bit, you know, just tired really, end of the week. Um, sometimes I I like just getting them in and having them not really think about anything. Just, all right, hop in, swim or don't even swim, just sort of float in the pool and don't worry about technique or because I like then there's the then there's the other extreme where you want them really focusing in on their stroke counts or their uh, where the, you know where, how the rot- forward rotation that they're getting or tightening up their hips so they're not sort of splaying out. So there's that. It just yeah depends where in the season and what part of the session that they're doing. Love, but definitely giving them time to just not think and to, to not worry about technique or to be swim really sloppy. Um, because when you when you stop worrying about um, you know where your hand placement is or how far you're pushing back, you can kind of relax and actually get a nice feel for the water. Um, at the yeah, but at, at the moment I'm getting like my guys will be focusing on stroke counts, just trying to be as efficient through the water as possible. Um, I like to start off a session with a theme, so it might be all right, we're going to focus on our underwaters. So we'll you know, practice some underwater kicking and then I'll implement that into a turn. So we're going to do 1050s where the, fo- the key focus will be executing a really good push-off from your turn and your underwater into breakout. Um, the heart, I think that the, what I'm trying to do is, and this is, this is another challenge for all coaches, is to, to under pressure maintain good stroke length or efficiency so you know when the pain starts to hurt and it starts to overtake your brain and all we can think about is how much you're hurting and how hard it is to maintain your stroke is to really maybe take back 10% of your effort into training hard and then put that 10% into maintaining good stroke length and then over time because the like the efficiency you maintain through stroke length you're going to inevitably swim faster um 
So that's normally in a main set rather than like when we get in for warm-ups. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like um, – I was thinking about that. I was training last night with um, with the master squad I used to coach and I was just – for whatever reason, I was thinking about um, – I don't know, always thinking about coaching and that sort of thing. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and really, I, I remember as a teenager, one of the main – themes that used to be part of the session was keeping technique under pressure or under fatigue and it doesn't matter whether you're doing triathlon or swimming is the ability to maintain your form towards the end of a race is what is going to allow you to finish fast because as soon as you lose that that form and that technique that's when it all starts to to slip away so as you said even if you need to back off the effort five or ten percent you want to be able to, to hold your stroke together um towards the end of a, a training session or, or towards the end of a race so it takes um yeah it takes a lot of discipline to be able to do it but i think that's a, a good thing to, to focus on yeah and and one of the other things so i had a, a triathlon coach grant giles on the, the one of the earlier podcasts and one of the things he was speaking about was shutting or just not not tagging the pain that you might be feeling so uh gave the example of if you're going for for a long run and um, you're increasing your effort as you went, then you and and it was hot as well. Then you might realise so that the first first response is okay, it, it feels hot, yeah. and then the second response that most people would have is um, like it, it's hurting or, or I'm working hard, and so like it, it hurts. Yeah. But if you as long as you don't tag it, as long as you just accept it, you just say yes, the weather's hot. Um, but you don't make that connection between it's it's hot and and it's painful, um, so don't tag it. Then that's the best way to just not think about it. So it just takes that. Um, I mean, you've got to make that habit. You've got to be able to train yourself to not make that connection. Um, but you know, looking back at I guess the the best training sessions I've had or the best races, it's it's when you don't make that connection you don't put that label on it no it's when you understand it's when you can make that you make the connection with why why am i doing this yeah like when you when you hit that you and you're completely dedicated and 100 percent behind why you're doing what you're doing there's almost nothing that you won't do like and for me for sure like the net like stopping a set was is <laughs> like is, is never an option and it's not an option from like almost anybody especially like sports people um, one of the one of the another firmly cemented memory I have was one of the first I think this is probably the first time that I ever really no actually second second time that I um, I got what you maybe consider broken or to breaking point and that was on the Gold Coast with uh, Glenn Baker and he we he wrote up on the board 50 50s on a minute max effort uh, so, so then um, you know like my my belly sort of just like gets a bit nervous when you see stuff like that and so here this was this was after a couple months of being being on the Gold Coast and, and sort of starting to become a butterfly. And so my body and my mind wasn't used to the intensity of all this butterfly training. So I assumed that the 50-50s were going to be freestyle. And then Glenn told me it was going to be butterfly and then my belly actually flipped and I got a, <laughs> got a bit dizzy. And 
yeah, that, that set was, I remember the first 10, I was holding 30s. Like, not, not that fast at the time for me, but I hadn't really had any butterfly conditioning. Then the next 10 blew out to 33s. Then the next 10 blew out to 36s. So, brother, I still had 20 to go, and I was almost hitting 40s. Um, I'll probably be my stopwatch. Yeah, <laughs> that's my coaching stopwatch, just beeping. Um, and I and I was essentially just swimming up and down. My technique was absolutely shot. Like everything was just, I was in a world of pain. And I just remember keep looking up at Glenn, hoping that he'd stop me because, you know, I was swimming like absolute rubbish. And he just didn't stop me. And he just made me keep going, keep pushing. And I'm, I will admit that I had some tears in my goggles. <laughs> and I, I'm definitely going to admit that I, like, that I wanted to stop. I wanted him to stop me. <laughs> like, there, I would admit that. But the fact that he didn't and the fact that I finished the set is one of the, the is, has to be one of the most invaluable lessons that I've ever ever encountered and I, I think once you hit once you hit and I and I lost focus of why I was doing the 50-50s I just all I could think about was how much I hurt and how much like I, I couldn't keep going but when when you're put in a position where you don't have an opportunity to stop and your and your body's breaking down um, and you actually finish it and that feeling of achievement is, is something yeah like I said just so invaluable and and you, you carry that through and then the next time it's not as bad and you get fitter and stronger and the next time is better and better and better until instead of worrying about you maybe not finishing it you, you, your mindset changes and you start thinking about alright how fast can I actually go now um, and alright like I know I need to like if I'm going to do a tuna butterfly I know I want to be coming home in 30.31 so my goal is to not slip over that 200 speed. Yeah. Um, and so you're definitely going to hurt. And then I think if you hurt and, you, and, you, and you're in a position where you don't think you can keep going and you end up finishing it, you build that self-confidence, which, again, is, an, is another massive coaching... Uh, I wouldn't say at all, but as a coach, that's half, half, like that's, I wouldn't say it's my job because I love doing what I'm doing, but I, I'm trying to build the athlete's self-confidence so they believe they can do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, because then, like I said before, when, when this, the big sets come in and it really does start to hurt, they, they believe they can do it. And when, once they believe they can do it, then, they really start getting stuck into hard work, and I think, as as especially as children, they they haven't been exposed to that sort of pain and that sort of pressure before. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's what I, that's what I think. Uh, sport and particularly swimming is great for great for kids is to um, to develop that sense of uh, that willpower and um, and an ability to push through things when they get hard. Mm. So it's. Um, if I had my time again, I'd, I'd definitely want to, you know, have, have gone through all of those years of swimming because uh, I don't think I'd be the person I am today without what I learned through such hard training, um, which, yeah, which is, is just invaluable. Um, we've got to wrap it up now. We're just 
driving back from from a surf, which was a lot of fun. And uh, one of the last things I want you to just speak about quickly is what um, I guess what advice would you give to a young kid who is um, I don't know, let's say they're not enjoying their swimming that much, or, or maybe they are. But what advice would you have for a, a, a young swimmer who, um, you know, who's sort of questioning if it's all worth it? Um, you got to ask yourself why you're doing it. You know, I think, and there's 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 plenty of different ways people are motivated um, to get out of bed at four thirty in the morning um, to swim and whether that's because, you know, like my motivation, my like overall motivation was that I wanted to make the Olympics. So that was like, that was, that was the big end goal. Um, I didn't achieve that goal, but like that, that as an adult and as someone who's sort of reflected on his time in the sport, that didn't really matter that I didn't make the Olympics. Uh, it would have been nice, but it didn't matter. Um, but find out why you find out why you want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning or four thirty in the morning, and then work around that. So if you know if if it's the environment that's affecting you, you know, change your environment. If if it's your own mindset that's affecting you, go talk to somebody. Mm. I think that actually talking to, like talking to people and talking to people that you trust, and if you don't have someone that you do trust, go out, go find someone. Um, and cause I don't, I think I, you know, we, we can talk, there's a difference between just like saying g'day and having a chat and then really talking about stuff. And I think as young, as a young adult or young, young athlete, find people who are experienced or who, who you think may have, even if you don't know them, like it doesn't matter, just go up and say hi or send them an email, um, and then talk to them about and and get their opinion. Mm. There's like, I toyed with the idea of coming back to swimming. Um, I was just lo- I was coaching the kids and I absolutely loved it. And I just I'd see them train, especially when they do hard sets and we'd be running a hard set, and I'd see them working together and I'd I'd I just missed it. I missed that camaraderie you get through working together. Mm. Um, and so what I did was all right, I want to get back into swimming. And Adam Pine, who was who was a um, top Australian butterfly for many many years, right until his thirties, he was still making the national team in his thirties. As an older athlete, and you're, you're working, you got you had kids at the time. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> you know managing your time or when you're at your training session like just give everything you can to everything you do it doesn't matter if you're going to do you can't do nine sessions oh i couldn't do nine sessions because i was coaching the kids but i could do maybe six sessions um he goes all right well you make those six sessions the best six sessions that you can Hmm. um but i think yeah like finding out why you're waking up early to go training and then talking to someone who you who who you value their opinion, or who you know you just you just would like to talk to and find and find out, um, you know something that they might be able to offer you. Mm. 
would be the two things that I think would be most important for a young athlete. That's good. I think, uh, yeah, finding that reason why is just is number one. You know, if you don't know the main reason why you're doing something, it's very hard to keep going and push through when it does get tough. And the two best things I've found for that is number one is just grabbing a pen and paper and just writing, just whatever comes to your mind, just just write it down. Yeah. That's what I, I like to do it once a week is just just kind of, it kind of helps me explore the reason why I do whatever it might be like training for, for an Ironman or, or with, you know, with effortless swimming, just, just, it helps me sort of uncover those, those deep reasons why. Mm. And, um, and then just speaking with people and just exploring things that way. And I find the podcast is really good for that. Um, you get to have a, I, I guess a, a deep conversation, a long conversation, whereas in day-to-day life, whether it's in the workplace or at training, sometimes you don't get the time just to be able to do it. So if you can just set it, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, you can just really have that sort of that deep conversation with someone. And a lot of times it's, it can sometimes be easier with people, you know, less as well, because if they're people that you do know really well, maybe it it might not be as comfortable to talk about that stuff. So sometimes it is easier to open up to people, you know, even less once you sort of get that conversation going. You're less worried about what they might think because you don't really know them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, but what, like we were just talking before when we were driving down for the surf about how through conversation, there's been plenty of times where I've formulated ideas in my head whilst in, being in a conversation with somebody. And I like that. I don't know. I'm not obviously I haven't done psychology and I'm not well educated in that, but there has to be a sort of some sort of terminology or some, you know, some process that happens through conversation where you formulate new ideas or, or theories that end up being just yeah super helpful yeah yeah absolutely so um sammy thank you very much thanks for being on the podcast i, I probably should have got you on at the very start because i mean you were in the first video that we did which was the mastering freestyle product <laughs> and um yeah and i, I yeah, hadn't got you on the podcast um until now after seven years later <laughs> pretty much so just get just pick, get me on when it's pumping <laughs> <laughs> so it's um yeah no thank, thanks again and um definitely get you on again soon yeah, we'll just have a chat when we, we'll just put the microphone on and when we go down for surfs and just record the conversations we have. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, <laughs> fun. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.